How many of you have been grocery shopping recently? How many of you have been to a gas station recently? How many of you have been clothing shopping lately? How many of you have just tried to go about your life and live your life normal, but you realize the money recently just doesn't stretch as far as it used to? Man, it's crazy. I saw something this week that said the average American is spending $550 more a month on perishable goods. That's staggering. It's mind-blowing. And if we were to be honest, it's downright scary. Because as prices go up, it's not like salaries are going up. It's not like getting paid for services is going up. Money is getting tight, and everybody is feeling it in almost every area of their life. Automatically, it makes us anxious. It makes us nervous. It makes us stressed out as the elections are coming up. You know, things always get funny around election time. And people are genuinely concerned about what is happening financially in our society. And the reality is, I don't blame them. Even in churches, they say giving across nonprofit organizations is down 37% in the last five months. Action Church is not exempt from that. I don't say this. Please, if, if you're new here and don't know me and don't know my heart, you can take it as I'm being bragging. Trust me, I'm not being bragging at all. I'm being reality. I'm being real with you. Giving is so low at Action Church that this week my wife and I personally put $10,000 into the account to make sure bills got paid this month. We're blessed that we have that. We're thankful that we were able to do that. But the reality is giving is down everywhere because people begin to hoard when they're afraid about the future. People begin to get tight. I have told Christine on more than one occasion, hey, and Christine is a miser when it comes to money. But it makes me feel better to tell her this. That way, I'm the spender. But I like to remind her, hey, we need to slow down on spending right now. It's really my way of talking to myself, but I like to put it on her. You ever been in that situation where you think you're pretty blessed financially until you realize, man, if things keep on like they are, it could get bad real quick. Financially, my wife and I are in about as good a position as we've ever been. Again, not bragging, just reality. It's been a good couple of years in the industries that I'm in. But it's funny when you start to look at the money in your account and you're faced with the reality that what you do and that has been thriving is a pleasure for people. And as money gets tight, they quit going out and pleasuring. And you're thinking, how long could that money stretch? (laughs) 
It looks really good when it's in the savings account. But when you realize, man, we got about four months and we'd be struggling. Now, lucky for Christine, I could do OnlyFans. So I know that we'll be okay. I I am convinced PreacherPorn.com would be super successful. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it's good to know, hey, hustle, man, a man has got to provide for his family. Don't judge me. It's crazy times in our country. And we're fast approaching whether we believe it or not, or whether, excuse me, I know we believe it, whether we realize it or not, we're fast approaching the holidays, which already adds financial stress to a lot of people. Tensions are up. Spending is down. Prices are up. Anxiety's up. Stress is up. We live in a day and time where the recession, whether we like it or not, is a very real thing. I keep seeing and reading the financial experts and they're like, it's going to be a short recession. I don't know what short recession means, but here's the deal. A year-long recession is not short to me. A six-month recession is not short to me. And I know as the people of Action Church, it's not short to you, and there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of concern out there. And so I thought it would be very appropriate if we took a month. We've just come out of some very deep series. We just got out of a series called God Never Said That, where we dug very deep in to things that we say, but the Bible never says. Things that we believe because they look good on social media, but actually God never said those things. The month before that, we did our traditional series called The Summer of Rock, and we look at some very deep topics as we did the U2 edition of that, and we looked at some of U2's famous songs and talked about the biblical meanings behind those. This month, we're going to get very, very practical. You're going to leave here today with some steps that will help you recession-proof your life if you listen to what is taught. There's not going to be a lot of amens during this series. There's going to be a lot of discomfort during this series. Because during this series, we're going to be talking about money, and people get funny when you talk about money. We're feeding into every stereotype that people have about church. But let me educate you. It's been three and a half years since we mentioned money one time in a teaching series. I have actually failed you as a pastor by not doing a better job talking about money. 15% of all the teachings that Jesus taught centered around money. He knew it would be the stumbling block for so many of us. Anytime we talk about money, and rightfully so, because so many churches and so many preachers on television have made it all about giving. And giving's a huge part of money. Make no mistake about it today. You can't sugarcoat and you cannot eliminate that part of it. We are blessed where we can give back. But there's so much more to money than that. As I was preparing for this series, I started reflecting on what I think is the number one thing that keeps people from living the life 
that they've always envisioned. And there's not a person here today who hasn't envisioned what their perfect life would be. It might be different than the person next to you. It might be different than the other side of the room. But everyone here has a vision of how they would picture their life. But the number one thing that stops people from being successful in life, the number one thing that stops people from winning and achieving the life they were created for are having the testicular fortitude to step out and chase the life that they want is they simply don't understand biblical principles when it comes to their money. They can't afford to live the life they've envisioned. They can't afford to survive a recession because they've lived with their finances by the world's standards instead of God's standards. They've set up some wrong principles along the way. We think, man, we'll just charge it and we'll pay for it over the next hundred months and we'll call it good. And it works out really good until money gets tight. Studies show that the number one reason most people live a life that they don't enjoy is simply because they do not have financial freedom. Studies show, do not miss this today, that the number one reason for divorce is financial stress. Even when the reason for divorce is another reason, a lot of times that reason can be tracked back to financial stress. Studies show that the number one reason people will not pursue their dreams is because they can't afford to do it. For a lot of us, we have spent years and years and years and years making horrible financial decisions, and it's going to take following God's principles over time to get back to where God would have us to be. But the Bible also talks a lot about generational curses, and what we're doing is is we're passing our bad financial decisions down to our kids, and they're starting out behind the eight ball. We now live in a day and time where everybody thinks, man, the government's going to bail them out from their bad decisions. But they're not. I don't care how long they they praise it and how long they promise it. The reality is we're responsible for our own actions. I am convinced with everything that is in me that if we learn to manage our money right, we can change almost every facet of our lives Don't miss this. Regardless of the economy. It's not going to be a glamorous series. There's not going to be a lot of joking and fun over the next month. Not a lot of cute little jokes over the next month. But I am telling you today that if you get past your mental block that the preacher's talking about money and you begin to implement the things that we teach you over the next month, not our theories, biblical theories... I'm telling you that you will change your life. You will change your children's lives. I never had anybody come along and teach me sound financial principles. Bet your butt the school ain't teaching sound financial principles. Unfortunately, we as parents have got ourselves in such a mess 
that we're not even modeling sound financial principles. But the Bible talks so much about it. For most people, they think the answer to their financial issues is simply to make more money. If I just made a little bit more money, we'd be okay. You've heard me share this stat before. They asked people who made $50,000 a year, how much money would you need to make a year to be comfortable? And people who made $50,000 said, man, if I just made $100,000 a year, I'd be comfortable. They asked people who made $100,000 a year, hey, how much money would you need to make to feel comfortable? And they said, man, if I just made $250,000 a year, I'd feel comfortable. They asked those who made $250,000 a year the same question, and they said, if I just made $500,000 a year, and those that made $500,000 a year just said, if I made a million dollars a year, I'd feel comfortable. Here's the problem. The problem is not that you need to make more money, because you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to manage the money you make, you're going to be in the same boat you're in. People tell me all the time, they're like, I don't understand how these athletes don't have anything. Of course you do, because you're in the same boat. The difference is you buy a $20,000 car and they buy a $200,000 car. The difference is you buy a $250,000 house and they buy a $2.5 million house. The principles are the same. It's just another zero on the end. You can make all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to manage your money, I saw a staggering stat this week, staggering. It said 87% of everyone who wins the lottery when it's over $1 million, 87% end up in bankruptcy. Why wouldn't we? If you can't manage $10,000, you think you can manage $100,000? You can't manage $100,000, you think you can manage a million dollars? It might take you longer to spend it, but baby, you'll spend it. You can make all the money in the world, and until you make that money and learn to manage that money biblically, you will always be stressed financially. Here's the reality of the situation. Let me hurt some of your feelings very quickly. Let's just get it out of the way. Most people don't have a money problem. They have a spending problem. You don't have a money problem. You have a spending problem. To put it simple, most people spend more than they make. Therefore, they don't have money. If you make $1,000 a week, but you spend $1,200 a week, you're going to be in bad financial shape. (laughs) We spend our lives buying things we don't need simply to impress people we don't even like. We live our lives buying things we don't need to impress people that we were serious we don't simply like. Our neighbor gets a new truck, we think we need a new truck. Our neighbor gets their yard done, we think we need to get our yard done. Is there anything wrong with a new truck? Absolutely not, I want a new truck. The difference is I can afford a new truck. 
and still don't have a new truck. I don't care what my neighbor does to the yard. I'll concrete my yard and paint it green, baby. I don't want to cut it anyway. Fourteen months ago, they ran a survey 14 months ago. 71% of Americans said the financial pressure they have in their lives is huge. Two weeks ago, they ran the same survey, and in 14 months it has climbed to 83% of Americans say the financial pressure is huge in their life. The average American spends more than they make each year. We don't have a money problem. We have a spending problem. You are living a life that you simply can't afford to live. We're buying things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Just to say we got it. Just to look good in that Instagram photo. I'm the king of it. Told my wife that I need some new shoes. She said, well, first of all, you hardly ever wear shoes. I said, I don't care when I want to wear them. I need some. I want some orange shoes. Okay. She said, well, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, what about the five pairs of orange shoes that are in the closet? I said, what about them? They ain't the orange ones I want. And then I'll be damned if she didn't go clean the closet out yesterday. And she started sending me pictures. This shoe still has new tags on it. I wasn't ready to wear them shoes yet. Gary, this t-shirt literally still has tags on it. I don't know. She came in today in that shirt. She said, I'm wearing your t-shirt today. I said, oh, who gave you permission? She said, when I realized it still had tags on it, you bought it three years ago, I thought that was permission. I don't need new shoes. See, we can't clarify between need and want. We think we deserve certain things. You don't deserve anything. The only thing we deserve is the devil's hell. We don't know how to manage our money. The key is not always making more money. Although, we're going to talk about that during this series. Because the problem is so many of us have dug ourselves into such a deep hole that many times we got to take on other jobs to get caught up. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting, and what you've been getting is being broke. The key, though, is not making more. The key is controlling what you have. Listen to me today. That's a recession-proof concept. If I don't owe anybody money... I don't care what the economy's doing. I'm not stressed about it. You would think an issue like this would be an issue that every church in America talks about on a regular basis, but the reality is the church will not talk about money unless it's giving money. Most pastors know their salary is dictated on that. They've got to keep the coffers full. Nine times out of ten, when money is talked about, like I said, it's about in the terms of giving and not financial 
personal finances and financial freedom. I'm a huge believer in giving. We're going to talk about giving in one of these messages. I'm not going to tell you when because half of you won't come. But we're going to talk about it. Because I would be doing you an injustice. I've never met a broke giver. It's reality. I always get a kick out of people. Like, when I win the lottery, Gary, I'm going to buy you a new building for the church. No, you're not. You can't give off the $1,000 you have. What makes you think you're going to give off the $10 million you have? goes back to principles. People get funny when you talk about money. One of the issues is, is we don't really have a proper understanding of finances. And you've heard me say this before. The church so many times will not teach biblical truth. Instead, they swing to the extremes. They become extremely conservative in their views, or they become extremely liberal in their views. They go to one extreme or the other, and in the process, they do a disservice, and they start preaching things that God never said. So one of the mindsets when it comes to money in the church, one of the teachings is simply this, money is everything. We were at Buffalo's a couple of weeks ago, and you can see the guy on the TV, and the sound's off, but it's on the television. I said, man, that guy's a preacher. They said, how do you know? I said, look at his hair. I said, you can't be a preacher on television if you don't have helmet hair like that. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Looked at Bubba, and I said, he's talking about money. I said, how do you know? I said, I know. I went and asked, I said, can you put on the closed caption on that television? Put on the closed caption on the television. Boy, it was sowing a seed. First thing on the closed, if you don't have the money today to give, pull out your credit card. Get in debt for the Lord, and God will bless you. And I just sat there laughing. Church teaching has this mindset that money is everything. There's two major needs at all. And don't worry, we're going to get to the Bible. I promise you. We've got to lay some groundwork. You know, the first week of a message is always foundational. There's two major needs that all human beings have, security and significance. People want security, and they want to be significant. They want to be something to somebody. And when I believe that money will meet both of those needs, I'm destined for disappointment and frustration. See, we think money provides security. How many of you thought money provided security when they shut down the country Two and a half years ago. And that job you had for 30 years suddenly wasn't paying you. I joke that I jinxed the entire state of Georgia when it came to the shutdowns. Literally an hour before Brian Kemp got on television, I remember looking at my wife and saying, man, we have more, I'm in the event business. I said, man, we have more money in the bank than we've ever had. And I said, in the next five weeks, we have five huge events that are going to put six figures in our account. We're doing good. Hour later, Kemp gets on the television and shuts down Georgia. And suddenly those five events weren't going to happen. And suddenly... 
that more money than I've ever had in the bank now becomes my sole source of income, and you start calculating how long it'll last. Guess what? It provided no security. You're looking to the wrong thing for significance and the long thing, wrong thing to security. And this church teaching mindset is called the prosperity gospel. It's where those who have a ton of money continue to be blessed because they give their money and God blesses them back. And God does bless you, but it might not always be with money. In this mindset, if you don't have money, it's because you don't have faith. You see it all over the television. You see it all over churches. The prosperity gospel, and make no mistake about it, it's heresy. But the problem becomes the other churches who are anti-prosperity go to the other extreme, and they have this mindset, money is nothing. Money is nothing. The opposite corner of people who believe money is everything, the church begins to talk about money is nothing, and they actually talk about money in a bad way. Money is the root of all. God never said that. The Bible says the love of money, the worship of money, the dependence on money, the idolization of money. But I've literally been in churches where they get up and talk about those who have money. They must have money because they're carnal. They must have money because they made a deal with the devil. The problem with saying money is nothing is, again, you ignore the fact that 15% of Jesus' teaching revolved around money. He talked about finances more than he talked about prayer. He talked more about money than he did faith. He talked more about money than he did sharing your faith. Matter of fact, back it up, baby, he talked more about money than all three of those things combined. You cannot get away from the fact that the New Testament teaching that Jesus taught a lot about money because he knew money would become our God. Money would become our idol. Money makes the world go around, and anything that makes the world go around, there's going to be false teachings about that. So the church, I'll never forget my first church, they had this poverty mindset. So there's the prosperity gospel, then there's what I call the poverty gospel. I'll never forget a deacon looking at me one time back when I made a salary from the church, and he said, don't worry, we'll keep you poor. So we keep you praying. We'll keep you poor so you depend on us. They didn't realize I don't depend on them, I depend on God. Somebody asked me one time, I said, why do you have all these hustles? Because I know what it's like not to have two pennies to rub together. I know what it's like not to be able to pay your light bill. I know what it's like. Let me go ahead and tell you, I have not always had my act together in this area. 13 years ago, I filed for bankruptcy. That's how in debt I was. $72,000 in credit card debt at 33 years old. But I learned. You know the great thing about going bankrupt? After you go bankrupt, all you can do is spend cash. And when all you can do is spend cash, you can't spend more than you make it. So you learn some very sound financial principles. I didn't learn a lot, though. When I met Christine, I gave her a shoebox. I said, here you go. She said, what's that? I said, it's all my money. I was a grown man. 
She said, how much is in there? I said, I don't know. She said, well, I'm pretty good with money. Let me get it organized real quick. I said, oh, by the way, I do have an account. Here's the book. She goes, where's all the receipts and what's in the letter? I said, I'll just keep it up here. Now, it would take me an hour to figure it out. Christine, seven hours later? A lot of hours later. She was still figuring it out. She said, how much money do you think you have in the bank? I said, according to my calculations, bam, bam, bam. She said, uh-uh. I said, close to that? Uh-uh. I said, half of that? No. I said, 25% of what I thought? No. She said, you got about 8% of what you thought. I said, but I got the shoebox. Shoebox did not matter. I didn't know how to deal with money. At that time, I knew to only spend what I had, but I didn't know how to manage what I had. Thank God for some biblical principles along the way. Both mindsets are wrong. The prosperity mindset is wrong. The poverty mindset is wrong. The truth of the matter is this, and do not miss this, money is something. It's not everything. It's not nothing. Do not miss this. Money is a tool. It's a resource. Money cannot buy you happiness. Let me make that very clear to you. But it can help you live the life you always envisioned. You cannot achieve the life. I don't care. People, you know the cute thing on Facebook is everybody likes to, I just want the simple life. And they post like a picture of a little little shack cabin on like in the mountains or in the background. And there's a, uh, where the sunflowers growing all around it. Give me the simple life. When's the last time you priced that simple life? When's the last time you priced a piece of land at the foot of the mountains and decided you wanted to build a little cabin? Guess what? The simple life costs money. I don't need anything but the ocean. Well, guess what? Go to the ocean. It costs you money. We just booked vacation. It was not cheap. It sure wasn't free. I don't need all these things to make me happy. And I'm not saying you do need those things to make you happy, but the reality is money might not make you happiness, but it'll allow you to live the life you envision. Thank God for money. The problem is, though, it's not how much money you make. It's making sure you manage the money you have. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to lay some foundations about what money is. Next week, I am going to talk about how we get to where we need to be with our money. We're going to talk about debt. Crickets. You know why it's crickets? Because you know you need to hear it. You're in the debt now. How do we get out of the debt? It takes work. But God lays out exactly how we go about doing it. We're going to get in this series to where we talk about investing money. Because if you follow the principles, and here's what I know, only about four of you will do it. But those four people are going to have their lives changed. They're going to get out of debt. It might take them two years to get out of debt. It might take them three years to get out of debt. It might take them five years to get out of debt. But they're going to get out of debt, and then they're going to have all this money, and they're going to say, what do I do with this money? You're going to learn how to invest that money where your money makes you more money because guess what? This book actually talks about that. Ain't that shocking? 
This book talks about how to invest your money. We're going to talk about giving. Now, that's the three topics we're going to cover, and I'm not going to tell you what order we're going to cover them in. But here's the reality. The one you want to lay out of giving is so vital. That's where the money moves from the natural to the supernatural. That's where God gets involved in your money, and you cannot outgive God. You think, I, I, again, I, I'm not saying this in a... I, Please hear my heart. But I went to my wife this week for when I met my wife, the number one stumbling block in my wife, my life, my wife's life was money. She didn't have money in her previous life. She would come home from things and the lights would be turned off. She had a, a husband who didn't put priorities in that. So money was a very big vice to her. Over 10 years of us being together and her seeing God work in our lives, I went to her this week and said, hey, I'm going to have to transfer this over to the church. I expected, not in a bad way, not because I think there's anything, I expected a millimeter of pushback. She's like, okay. All of a sudden, I got to think, well, I'm, I got some questions before we do it. You ain't got no questions? See, I wanted her to have the questions. That way I could look spiritual. That way, because you know, men, we just going to argue no matter what. If she was against that, I'd be like, what do you mean? You ain't got no faith. God blesses us. But did you see what God's done? And then she was like, four. I was like, wait a minute now. You sure? But let me tell you what she's seen. She's seen you can't outgive God. Can't outgive God. I don't know how to explain it. But I do know how to explain it. Anybody ever seen me do my M&M illustration? How many of you? It's been a long time. Oh, I'm going to bring that out in a few weeks. We're going to have some M&Ms at church. It's, it's the best illustration on giving you'll ever see in your life. And my daughter taught it to me when she was five years old. It's phenomenal. I can't wait to share it with you. That's what happens. And you know the good thing about being a pastor like me is you run half the church off about every three years. So you just bring the illustrations back because the new crowd ain't seen them. Money. Let's get some foundational principles. Don't miss this. What you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. It's vital. What you believe about money will determine how you behave about money. Look what the Bible says. We're going to get the Bible. Remember I told you that? There's a lot of reading here. Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants at Jesus teaching here. And trusted his wealth to them. So a man's going on a journey. He has money. He's about to entrust his money to some servants. Don't miss this. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So look at that. Don't miss that. God gives to us according to our ability. You might not be being blessed financially because God knows you don't understand sound biblical principles and he doesn't got you to where your ability should be yet. Great thing about ability is you can put practice into your ability and get better at it. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. See, there's that principle. Put his money to work. His money began to make him money. And he gave five bags more. He took his five bags and made it into ten bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So the guy with two bags of gold said, man, I'm going to go make more money. 
This man entrusted me with his money. I'm going to make more money. But the man who received the one bag, you know why he only received one bag? Because of his ability. Because of his ability. The man, the master, don't miss this. I didn't write this thing. God wrote this thing. So if it offends you today, take it up with him. The master didn't trust that servant's ability with money. So he gave him one bag. Man, you could preach here all day. I wish This is where I wish I was a black preacher. Because black preachers will rabbit trail all day long on some scripture. And there are so many honey holes down here. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid whose money? His master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. Say, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. For what? For how he managed his money. I don't think the preacher ought to talk about money. Well, guess what? The Bible talks about it. You don't get to treat this Bible like Golden Corral. You don't get to pick and choose what you eat. And oh, by the way, if we were at Golden Crowd, this would be the steak and mac and cheese. This is the good stuff. Because when you get your finances right, everything else is right. You ain't worried about where you're going to live. Why? Because your finances are where they should be. You're not going to worry about what you're going to drive. It might not be a Lamborghini, but baby, it's going to get you to point A to point B, and it's going to be paid for. Why? Because your finances are right. Oh, did I hurt your feelings? Hmm, I don't care. His master replied, well, good faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and see your master's happiness. The rich get richer. God just blesses those. God blesses those who follow biblical principles. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings today. Matter of fact, I'm going to use them as an illustration. Bubba stepped out a year and a half ago. Started his own company. Quit a county job. Quit that cush county job where you ain't got to do nothing but get a paycheck. Pension, insurance, vacation. I talked to Bubba more when he worked for the county than I can talk to him now. He's got his own business. And as you start any business, there's struggles along the way in starting a business. About, I don't know when. Bubba decided he was going to start being faithful and giving back to what God had given him. I should have had Bubba come share this story. But then y'all be like, oh, that's Gary's boy, and he's just making a story. No, I'm telling you the truth. Last two or three weeks, God has begun to bless Bubba with so much work, so he sends me a picture the other day of his checking account. I'm not going to tell you what it was, because I don't know if he told Missy the same amount, and I don't want to get him in any trouble. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Not kidding. Kidding. Kind of. But he told me last week, he said, man, he goes, I have so much work. That's what happens. When you prove yourself faithful in a few things, God comes along and provides other things. The problem with some of you is you don't understand biblical principles. So you think the way God's going to bless you is you're going to go to the mailbox and there's going to be a check from the first bank of heaven signed by God. That's not how it works. Literally had someone come to me two weeks and say, man, I'm struggling financially, blah, 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 blah. And then literally, I heard them talking to someone 
else about 10 minutes later talking about, man, our work just wants us to work overtime all the time. I told him, I'm tired of working overtime. Well, maybe God was blessing you with more money with overtime. Here's your sign. This is so good. I didn't write this thing. His master reply, well, good and faithful servant. I'm, I, Xander, I'm going to have to read off this screen because I ain't going to lie to you. My, I, I'm getting so old, my eyes can't read these notes. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and see your master. Then the man with two bags of gold came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, and good, faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and see your master's happiness. So the guy with two things proved himself. So I guarantee you the next time he got five bags. Then the man who received one bag came, and he said, I know that you're a hard man. Already making excuses. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And here's what belongs to you. I, I was afraid, Master. Gave me this money. I didn't want to lose it. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bank. He said, You should have at a minimum taken my money to the bank and let it gain 3% interest. No risk in that. You didn't even do that. Why? Because he was lazy. We're too lazy to follow biblical principles because we want what we want now. The problem with all the young married couples growing up, I finally hit that age. Problem with these young kids today is they want three years what took their parents 30 years to get. Well, I can afford it. The bank's going to give me a loan for it. Just because you can afford it don't mean you need it, baby. Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers. So that returned, I would have received it back with a ring. So take the bag of gold. So he took the bag of gold from him and gave it to the one who had 10 bags. I'm about to upset you. You know why this person keeps getting blessed? Because you're not following biblical principles and God's taking your blessings and giving them to them. Your blessings are there for you. But you refuse to follow biblical principles because you think you know better. You think you know everything. Yet you're broke. You're stressed about money. You don't know how you're going to pay rent next month. Your problem is not that you have a money problem. The problem is you have a spending problem. You spend more than you make. Mm, I didn't expect any amens on that, Lou. Did you? I got always got to go to Lou because Lou amen me when it gets tense. For whoever is who has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even they'll be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Go back to that last point, Xander. What you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. I have a weird mindset when it comes to money. I grew up with a dad who was very successful in life working for someone else. He made a lot of money. And my dad had horrible financial principles. As much as my dad made, my dad spent, and money was always tight growing up. 
And my dad, my entire life, told me, he said, son, before you get in debt like I am, just do whatever you want to do. Just don't get in debt. Go chase your dreams. If you chase your dreams and you have no debt, you can afford to do it. He he always used to tell me this. I always stuck in my mind. It's too late for me. Christine, what does he say to this day? It's too late for me. Wouldn't have been too late for you 30 years ago if you'd learned some principles. So for me, I've always owned my own business. I started a baseball card shop when I was 20, or 25. When I was 16 years old, I started with $2,500. And I've always worked for myself. I worked at Dairy Queen for four months, and I worked for Motorola for like five months, and the rest of my life I've owned my own businesses. So for me, money's easy to make. So I tend to be a risk taker with money. Christine grew up differently. She's not a risk taker with money. So what I'm saying is what you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. So it's important to make sure what you believe about money is accurate because that will determine how you behave with money. Are you the prosperity gospel or are you the poverty gospel? It depends on what you believe. We're both wrong in our foundational issue of money. I'm haphazard with money, and that's not good. She used to be very strict with money, and that's not good. We both are learning to come together and realize that money is a tool, and when we act responsibly with money, we're blessed with money. Are you worried about, what if they take away events again? Boy, the scare tactic. Gary, the election's coming up, and Gary, the Democrats are going to shut us down again. What are you going to do about events? I'm going to keep following biblical principles. Because I learned through COVID that God blesses, because we made more money during COVID than I ever made in my life. We followed sound principles during that time. But what do we turn on that money? First thing about this is this foundational issue, number one, Everything I have belongs to God. Don't miss this. Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it. Let me educate you for a second. You have nothing apart from God. We have some very successful people in this church. I've actually been very blessed with a couple of people in this church who are ahead of me in the financial journey, and I consider them mentors. One of them has just recently started coming to this church. Very successful, but here's the deal. They're talented, they're gifted, they're smart, but everything they have, God used their talents. It's God's, not theirs. Everything I have is God's. That truck is God's. My house is God's. Christine's car is God's. He likes to go fast, apparently. (laughs) Every penny I have is because God chooses to give it to me. My clothes are God's because God gave them to me. I understand that I have nothing apart from the grace of God. I don't care if you live in someone else's house in a bedroom in their house. It's God's bedroom. It's where God has you right now. In OBTW, 13 years ago, I was living in someone's bedroom in their house because it's all I had. So save your sob story. I had nothing to my name. I had $144 to my name. I had had just telling some of the story, I had a Jeep Cherokee that was an automatic and you had to manually shift it because the transmission was so bad. God gave me that Jeep. I'll never forget the mechanic said, you got three weeks and that transmission's falling out. Three years later, baby, I was still driving that joke. It got hairy sometimes in traffic. God gave it to me. 
I have nothing apart from God. God owns everything. You own nothing. God simply, and this is where you miss it, those servants in that story had nothing to the master gave it to them. You have nothing but what God gave you. And he's asking you to be a steward of it. And as God blesses you more, it's because you've learned to be a good biblical steward of what he's given you. Why would he give you more if you keep blowing what he gives you? I know this isn't popular preaching. I know it makes some of you uncomfortable. Take it up with God. I will not apologize for teaching the word of God to you today. I'm not for sale. I got buddies, I can never teach like you do, they'd fire me. I said, well, they can't fire me. Well, I guess you can. You can not show up every week. If no one shows up, I guess we'll shut it down. I've been fired. That's a speaker. I'm not here to speak to you. I'm here to preach to you God's word. There's a difference. It's in a two-way conversation. And OBTW, I'm preaching to myself today. Because I need the refocus and the retune because it's easy for us to get out of hand sometimes in our spending and our finances. It's a whole lot easier for me to haphazard with money when I have more of it, but i got to realize God gave me that too and wants me to be a steward of it. Everything you have belongs to God. In the story we just read, the man owned everything, not the steward's. But God trusted the stewards, and as the stewards were, uh, managed what they, the master gave them correctly, the master gave them more. When you realize what you have doesn't belong to you, it changes everything. It just does. I don't have to be greedy with it. I don't have to be stingy with it. I also don't want to be haphazard with it. So we're just laying a foundation today. Everything I have belongs to God. God wants me, number two, to manage what he gave me wisely. Man with five bags doubled it. He got praised and got more. Man with two bags doubled it. He had four bags. God gave him more. The one with one bag played it safe and dug it in the ground, and he called him lazy. I don't think what you're teaching is biblical. Then go back to that story and explain it to me another way. I am a simple preacher, so maybe I'm just dumb for taking it at face value, but that's the way it is. God wants me to manage what he gave me. Two doubled their money, one buried it. The one who buried it upset the person who gave it to him to manage. Don't miss that. He upset the master. The master didn't blow it off and be like, ah, no big deal. The master was upset about it. He threw him out of his house. He took his one bag and gave it to the man with the ten bags. He called him wicked and lazy. Y'all think I'm harsh sometimes? Sometimes the master's harsh. That, that's the problem in our day where we, God is love. Let me miss, do not miss that. God is love. But love is not always unicorns farting bubbles through a sunflower field. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love is hard. Sometimes love says that 10% that needs to be said. Because I love you, I speak truth to you. Because you love me, you speak truth to me. God wants me to manage what he gave me. They said a couple of years ago, when tax cuts were announced, 
Don't miss this. They said consumer revolving debt shot up a trillion dollars. Who remembers when we got, I don't even remember what they were called now. What were they called when the government gave us checks during COVID? Remember when the stimulus check came? Don't act like you don't remember. Who remembers the stimulus check? When the stimulus checks hit, we were just learning how to go live for our services, and we needed an adapter. At that time, you couldn't go into Best Buy, so I ordered it online, and you had to pull in and pick up the adapter. I pull into Best Buy. If I'm lying, I'm dying, I call Christian. I said, you would not believe what is going on at this Best Buy. I said, I am 27 cars deep to pick up this $4 adapter. Christine, every single car in front of me so far has had flat screen televisions coming out. Yeah, they were stimulating the economy. Magnavox's economy. Is Magnavox still a TV? (laughs) Did I just age myself? Okay, it is what it is. Sony, whatever. Every single car. No one was taking that money and being smart with it. No one was taking that money setting in a car for a rainy day. They did exactly... The, oh, man, I don't want to get political. The government did exactly what they wanted to do. They stimulated the economy. The rich got richer. But you know why they got richer? Because they know how to manage money, and we don't. God wants me to manage what he gave me wisely. Number three, and I'm done. We're going home. It's just a foundation message. Next week, we're going to get super practical. But this one's important. This one's important because remember, what you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. I don't know how many married couples we have out there that are younger. I don't, I don't know what younger is anymore. I like to think I'm still young. I'm not. So you younger couples out there, if you don't listen to anything I say when I preach to you, don't learn the hard way like I did. <laughs> don't learn the hard way like Kylie did. Don't learn the hard way like Lou did. David and Sarah are not here today. I know David's story. Don't learn the hard way like David did. See, see, someone told me, they said, you're an overnight success. I said, yes, I am, 20 years in the making. See, you see the mountain experience at the top. You don't see the struggle it was to get up there. Because the problem is every time I started climbing, I was stooping and fell back off. I didn't know you're supposed to wear a harness. I didn't know there was a technique to climb in the mountain. I know you don't think about it right now because you think you're invincible. But man, if you manage your money correctly, you won't be 46 years old and still starting hustles all the time. I got to hustle all the time to make up for all the bad decisions financially I made in the past. I've been, I've been behind the eight ball. Someone asked me the other day, they said, it was some stupid. If you could do this, this, and this, if you had a genie in a bottle, what would you do? I said, I'd go back to I was 22, but I'd know everything I knew now. I'd be a millionaire in one year. You don't even know. 
God wants me to manage what he gave me wisely. And last, how I manage what I have matters forever. If I don't use it, I lose it. Man with the one bag, he lost it. I can only reap. Miss this. I can only reap for what I'm willing to sow. If I'm not going to get out in the field and sow, I'm not going to reap. If I'm not going to plant seeds, I don't get a harvest. When I manage what I have well, well, that means I live within my means, I'm saving wisely, I'm giving generously, I begin to make a big difference in the world around me. Again, not looking for a pat on the back. I'm saying, because I have managed my money wisely, we can make a contribution that keeps the doors open for another month. I can't make it next month. I ain't that blessed yet. But here's what you don't think. Y'all look at it as giving it. I look at it as investing it. Because God's going to give it back to me. Told Christine, I said, we got to give this money. I said, here's the problem. We got no work next week. I said, we got to take the week off. We ain't taking the week off because now we got work. The minute we made that decision, work started coming in. Hey, can you do these shirts? Can you do this? Hey, can you come up here and look at this city? We want to do a festival here. Boom, 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 boom. How I manage what I have matters forever. You can't, ooh, don't miss this. You cannot outgive God. The problem is some of you manage your money so poorly you can't afford to give. You think you can't afford to give. You begin to sow, God will bless when I manage what I have wisely and it puts me in a position to invest in things that matter, God blesses me with more responsibility and in eternity. I want every endeavor I do to prosper because I, I want to be rich. I don't want to be rich to be rich. I want to be rich where I can help other people. I told you a long time ago, I said, I hear preachers all the time, Say, man, I just pray God would send me a millionaire. I've always prayed God make me a millionaire. Because I know if I'm a millionaire, which I am not nowhere near, the bills will always be paid here. That we'll always keep on reaching those that don't do church. We'll become the island of misfit toys forever because I'll make sure it's funded. God sent some of you here to do the same thing. Listen, look what the Bible says. Do not store it for yourself treasures on earth where moths and varmin destroy it and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Problem is so many, your heart is in your possessions. I love possessions. I was talking to Charles. I said, man, I, man uh, Charles, I said, I'm going to go buy me a dually and we're going to lift it and I want to get it painted and, and it's going to be a lot of money and I want it to be the baddest dually in the world. And he said, why? You, you do a lot of towing? I said, no, I just want the dually. Overcompensating for other areas. But here's what I know. I'm going to have it one day. And here's the difference between you and me. When I have it, I'm going to pay cash for it because God's going to bless me. I don't store my heart on that dually. If I never get that dually, I could care less. Because it ain't my, my heart's not there. Now I can justify it and say it's a tool that I'll be able to transport food to the homeless. That's good. If I should go preaching, baby, I should get that thing today. 
but my heart's not there. The reality is I live in a beautiful home, in a beautiful neighborhood, and have two beautiful cars. But my wife will tell you we could go live in a one-bedroom apartment and we'd be just as happy. Because those things don't matter to us. I'm thankful for those things. I appreciate those things. My home I live in now is the first home I've ever lived in where I pull in the driveway and I, I'm home. I love this place. But if I pulled in to whatever apartment complex in this town and I knew I got to do what I love, I'd be happy. Things don't make me happy. Impacting people makes me happy. And because my finances are where they are, I can do that. Now, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because, again, it's easy for me to get off course. I saw something the other day. I'm not super familiar with this, so if I butcher this because you're a sea captain, I'm sorry. But I guess they measure, like we call them miles, but they're called knots or something on a ship or something, or degrees or some crap like that. Anyway, they said a ship can get off one degree or one knot or something, one, like hardly nothing. So it can go from this to that. And over the course of two hours, it can be almost 400 miles off course. So I just got to get my finances back like this. Because right now they're like that. Instead of like that. It's easy to get off course. So for those of you who have your finances in order, you always think about when I do this series, I always think about Robbie and Susie. Because the first time I ever taught a financial series, man, they got their crap together. Right. So for people like that, this is just a reminder series because you need a reminder. For the rest of you, it can be life-changing. Matter of fact, I'm going to throw them under the bus. I taught a series like this almost 10 years ago, and Phil and Tanya changed their lives financially. Big time changed their lives. So if you want to hear some success stories that aren't the preacher you think bragging on stage, go talk to Robbie and Susie. I don't even know where they are right down here. Go talk to Phil and Tanya. What I'm telling you works, and it will change your life. Change your life. Gary, it sounds so great. But I'm already in horrible financial shape. I get it. So you can stay there. Or you can start taking the steps to get out of there. It won't be easy. It won't happen overnight. But it'll change your life. All of a sudden, three years, you'll look back and be like, holy smokes, look where we are. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about getting out of debt. It's going to be life. I'm going to throw so much scripture at you about debt and how to get out of it. It's going to blow your mind. We're going to talk about giving, and we're going to talk about how to make our money make money. I'm telling you, this is not the most glamorous series, but it has the possibility to be the most life-changing for those who put these principles into place. Recession's here. And if it ain't here, it's real close to being coming. Let's get off that exit ramp. Because when your finances are straight, you don't worry about the recession. Let's pray.